frog on a log. Here we go. We're in First uh, John chapter five. I, I didn't mention that Emma uh, recently uh, signed up. She's joined the Navy. Let's give her a round of applause and you know, praise the Lord for that. No turning back now. I tried to change her mind, but that ship has uh, sailed, and so that's gone. <laughs> Not a bad one. Richard Russell, anybody know her name? His name, I'm sorry. Wrote a book years ago, won an award. His book is called Why I Am Not a Christian. Somebody asked him, he said, you know, uh, what would happen if you were standing by God and you could ask him anything? What would you, what would you ask him? And so the guy said this, he goes, I would probably ask him this, sir. Look how he approaches God, sir. Why didn't you give me better evidence? Isn't that interesting? Why didn't you give me better evidence? Um, people want proof. And, and let, me, let me say this. Um, you know, some of us, we say, okay, yeah, there's a lot of proof out there, but let me, let me just, for, their, for, for him and just for people like that, let me say this. We make a lot of claims as, as believers, and the Bible makes a lot of claims that people need to do. They need to submit their lives to Jesus Christ, they need to give their lives to him, they need to live for him, they need to accept him as a savior, they need to they need to follow his commands, they need to do these things. Those are very high claims. And so we better have some good proof to back those up. And so if somebody came up to you and said, you know, hey, I just need more evidence. Where are you going to go to? Well, that's why I love the book of 1 John, because really he's not trying to put doubt in our minds, although there's some very strong things in here. And afterwards you're like, am I really a believer? I mean, these are some strong, this strong stuff here. But he's not trying to put doubts in our minds. He's trying to give us assurance that, hey, there are evidences out there that will help you. There are things that you can look to and see. And then, then you make the decision. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But look at these evidences that we see here. And in verses 6 through 12, we're going to look at a few of them real quickly this morning. And there's quite a few. In fact, the word testimony or testifies is in, is in these next few verses ten times. And so that's the main theme here. It's can I get a witness? Can I, can, can I have evidence here? Can I see something here? Can, is there something that points to Jesus that will help me to believe? And as we look at these verses here in verse 6, we start off by saying this. It says this, John says, he goes, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting when you look at different commentaries and different things, people take the water and the blood to mean a lot of different things. Some talk about his birth or some talk about this is the Lord's Supper here in the passage. And really, it's not referring to any of that. It's referring when it talks about the water, it's talking about Jesus's baptism when he was baptized, when he was proclaimed to be the son of man by a divine voice up in heaven. What happened at the baptism? Do you remember? Jesus went up to get baptized. John goes, wait a minute here. 
You should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. He said, John, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. In fact, he identified with sinners in baptism. And when Jesus came and, and he was baptized and he went under the water, the Spirit, what happened? The Spirit came, descended like a dove, came down, and a divine voice came from heaven. And what did it say? This is my beloved Son with whom I am what? Well pleased. The divine proclamation. He is saying we have evidence from the very beginning of his baptism when his ministry began. But not only that, notice here in verse 6 it says this. This is the one who came. He was baptized publicly. We heard the divine voice. But there's also what? The blood. And don't forget that Jesus began his ministry. He was baptized in public ministry. And then the ministry ended where? On the cross. And here's what's interesting. Remember what happened the day he was crucified? <clears throat> a few things happened. I love having pastor's kids because I ask them these questions, you know. Hey guys, can you name five things that happened on the day Jesus was crucified? They look at me they're like, uh, he was crucified. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Remember what happened? The sky went dark. The sky went dark. But the dead were raised. That's an interesting one. Wait a minute, let's, let's say what the dead were raised for a moment. Who were those dead? <laughs> Yeah, the righteous dead. The righteous ones raised from the dead. That's interesting. And then they were walking down the streets. Can you imagine that? What else happened? There was a big what? If you live in California. The, the veil split. The earthquake. But there was one more thing that was amazing. A pierced side. Pierced side. All right. Well, now there's another thing. There was another thing that was amazing. I want you to think about this. This hardened Roman soldier looked up and said what? This truly is the Son of God. You would think that you would hear that from one of his disciples. But you hear it from a hardened Roman soldier who makes a proclamation that this is the Son of God. And so he came in his baptism. He came, and, and another evidence there is his crucifixion. He, he died on the cross for us, was buried, and he rose again. And saying here, this is the one who started his ministry by baptism and had the divine proclamation. This is the one who died on the cross, and he said it was finished. And even a Roman pagan unbeliever looked at him and said, this is the Son of God. But this is the one, notice this in verse 6. Who not only came in water only, but in water and blood. It is the one who the Spirit does what? Testifies. Here's, here's what it is. You see, people know about how Jesus was baptized. People know about how Jesus was crucified. They can't figure it out. And what does the Spirit of God do? He opens our eyes to believe it. Yes. Yes. It is the Spirit who does what? Testifies. It was the very Spirit of God that helped Jesus and empowered Jesus while He was on this earth to do the miracles. That's why the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, when people say they blasphemy the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Because they told Jesus, you did the works in the power of Satan. No, He didn't do the works of the power of Satan. He did the works in the power of who? The Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit was testifying that this is the Son of God. This is God. This is the one. 
And so we have the big three here. Isn't that amazing? You know, NBA, they have the big three, you know, and they started winning the tournaments. Remember that? You know, they had the big three. And then Golden State. Let me tell you about Golden State for a moment. <laughs> they weren't satisfied with the big three. They needed the big eight. So everybody who was a wash-up superstar went there and won a title and said, that now they got the title holder. But I'm not going to talk about Golden State because we have a Golden State fan here. But look at this. We have the big three. <laughs> Joe's going to kill me. The big three. We have here in verse 6, we got the water, the baptism, we have the crucifixion, we have the Holy Spirit testifying. And the Holy Spirit tells the truth. Now look at verse 7. For there are three that testify. Why is that important? Well, in the Old Testament, before you believed anything, you need how many witnesses? Two or, Two or three. And so we have three that testify. Now notice in verse 8. The order of this, it's changed. It starts with the Spirit. And then it goes to the baptism. And then it goes to the crucifixion. And here's what's amazing. All three are what? In agreement. All three are publicly testifying that Jesus is fully divine and fully man. All three of them are doing it here in the passage. They're all three agreeing here. Not only does the baptism tell us that he's the son of God, not only does the crucifixion tell us that he's the son of God, but also the spirit of God tells us he's the son of God. You say, well, well I need more than that. Well, look at this here in the next verse here. All three are in agreement. But verse 9, this is amazing. If we receive the testimony of men, isn't it amazing that we believe people, two or three witnesses, and we, we believe the people, we, we believe people, we put people on trial, we put them in front of 12 people. If the 12 people all agree, guess what happens? That person goes to jail forever, depending on the crime. We, 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 we believe in people, we accept human testimony. But let me just tell you, people can make mistakes. That's why I love this verse. Look at this here. Look at, look, at verse, look at verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, guess what? The testimony of God is, say it, it's greater. You know why it's greater? Because consider the source. Let me tell you something. Everyone says, you know, there's nothing impossible for God. That's not true. There's something impossible for God. You know what's impossible for God? It's impossible for God to lie. He is not a liar. And so the very source, here's what's amazing. The source, God will never lie in the significance of it. God said it. And when God says something, we listen. If I say something, well, that's, that's something else. If God says it, we better listen. And, and here's what he says. He says, the testimony of God is what? It's greater. It is superior than anything that any man could ever say about the Lord Jesus. And here, here's what it says in verse 9. For the testimony of God is this. And he has testified concerning his son. What has he testified concerning his son? Well, he verbally said it. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says in the transfiguration, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You listen to him. And then later on in the Passover, what does he say? He says, this is the one. And here's what he says. He says, I will glorify my name through the son. He testified verbally about him. But you know what's amazing is that 
we also see him testifying all throughout the Old Testament that Jesus is going to come. I find it amazing when you read Daniel. Does Daniel excite you? It should. And you, and you get to a, a certain chapter in Daniel, you get to chapter 9, it talks about Jesus, and, and it talks to almost to the day when Jesus is going to come the first time. And you're like, wow, look at this. Even in the Old Testament scriptures talk about, and then you read Isaiah 53. How can you not read Isaiah 53 and say, wow, look at Jesus. Isaiah 53 talks about how the Savior is going to come and he's going to die for us. Wow, the Old Testament points to Jesus. And then throughout his life, he points that God's testifying to Jesus. And here's what's amazing. People say all kinds of things about Jesus. In fact, a Wheaton professor, ready for this? A few years ago, you guys probably heard this, came out. A Wheaton professor around the holidays decided to wear a Muslim symbol on her head. And here's what she said. We, the Christians and the Muslims, we worship the same God. The school tried to fire her. Guess what happened? She fought it. They wound up recanting, trying to fire her, and they just let her go somehow. They tried to come to a mutual agreement. You know what was sad about that statement? Is a lot of Christians said, you know what, she's right. We worship the same God. Let me, let me say something. I may offend somebody here. We do not worship the same God. Amen. We worship Jesus Christ. Yes. The Muslims do not. They change who he is. And it is amazing how people think, oh, we just worship the same God. We're okay. No. God's testimony is greater than what any person could ever say about Jesus Christ. And if we just listen to men, let me just tell you, as the Bible says, let all men be liars and let God be true. God is going to tell us the truth. And here's what he says. He testifies to this. Now, what do we do with this testimony? Well, there's only two options. Look at verse 10. There's two options. Either we believe or we don't believe. That's it. It's as simple as that. Look at, look at verse 10. But watch what happens when we believe. Look at this. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony where? In himself. Here's what gets amazing about this. Jesus had testified at the baptism. He testified at the crucifixion. The Spirit of God testified. God himself testifies. But the moment that we believe those testimonies, guess what happens? The testimony comes inside of us. Yes. Yes. And we become believers. And let me, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit, when He internalizes the testimony of Jesus Christ, nobody's going to move us. Because He's there. And you can tell me what you want, but I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Why? Because I accepted the external testimony, and now it's become internal testimony. But when we have believers just wondering, well, you know, maybe He's not this. I just don't know. If he, I just, no, 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 no. We know. We know who He is. But let's just say for a moment, I don't want to believe. Look what it says in verse 10. It says, the one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony of himself. The testimony becomes eternalized. Look what happens to the other one. The one who does not believe God has made him to be what? Now this gets serious here. There's some teeth here in this verse. This is, this is a hard one. 
Maybe I need to skip it and go to verse 11 to make it easier. Not an easy one. You know what this is saying? This is saying, you don't want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? You don't want to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the one who came and died for our sins, was buried and rose again? You don't want to believe that? You know what you're doing? You're telling God he's a liar. Do you want to do that? This is serious here. This is not like a few people in the church are saying, you know what, you need to believe in Jesus. This is God himself saying this. And the person who rejects these testimonies and says, ah, the baptism, I don't believe in. I don't believe in the crucifixion. I don't believe what the Spirit tells me. I don't believe in all this, God. I don't want to believe in all this. Well, you now you're saying, you know what, God? You're a liar, God. You're a liar. You lied. You led me astray. Oh, no, this is serious. So here's, here's the testimony. You want to know? Here it is. Verse 11. Here it is. The testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. Now, don't miss that part. This is not something we're working for. This is not something we earn. This is not something we work up to get to to the end of the year. This is not like a diet that you have a goal and you don't eat for a while and you reach a goal and wow, great. Eternal life is not like that. Eternal life is a gift that we receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't earn this. We never deserve it. And we have it when? Now. Because some people say, you know what? I, I can't wait to die and I have eternal life and I'm with Jesus. Wait a minute. We have eternal life when? Now. He says, look at this here. This is amazing. This is the testimony God has given us, past tense, right now, eternal life. Where do I find the life? This life is in where? His son. It's the only place. I love God. He simplifies things. Man, I wonder if he has a New York accent when we see him. <laughs> New York is just so simple. You know, just, we ain't got no grammar. You know? I just, I can't wait to get to heaven and hear, how you doing? You know, it's going to be great, man. I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. It just makes it so simple. One place, one person, one, one way to get it, you believe. It's, it's in His Son. It's, not, it's nowhere else. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You could try. You won't find it anywhere else. It's not in the church. It's not in some person here on this earth. It's in His Son. Now, verse 12 tells us how to have this. He who has the Son, guess what? Has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have what? There it is. Either you're pregnant or you're not. The doctor doesn't say to you, you know what? You're half pregnant. Either a baby is in the belly or a baby is not in the belly. Either you have Jesus or you do not have Jesus. There is no in-between. There is no, I'm working on having Jesus. No, we receive him and have him. And you know what? This is amazing. Look what the verse says. He who has the son has what? The life. Life. Don't miss this. Life. Eternal life. 
Not talking about life after death, even though we will have that as well and nothing can take eternal life. It's talking about life here, a quality of life that is different here on this earth. A life with Jesus. A transformed life. A renewed life. A life that is not easier, but let me tell you this, a life that is a lot better. I, I tell Ellie, I said, you know, and she's leaving tomorrow. I can't believe it. But I said, you know, sweetie, I said, I'm so glad to have you home. You just make life better. She makes life better. You know, you, you have her around, her sweet personality, her, the things that she does. She, she makes life better. You know... What eternal life is, it is life here on this earth, but it's also life with Jesus in unhindered fellowship with God because we are saved. It is a different kind of life. People say, well, I have eternal life and my life is the same as it's always been. No, no, no. When Jesus comes, he changes our lives. We have life. Know what that means? I can go to God and fellowship with him. I can talk to a holy God. Why? Because I'm a, no, because of Jesus. No, that means I can fellowship with people who are different than me, people who like different sport teams than I do, and I don't even know why. I can fellowship with Raider fans, amen? amen. Because of Jesus. The one for Jesus, I wouldn't go near those people. I wouldn't go near them. Oh, yeah. Bronco fans? Whoa, even worse. Worse. I know, I'm in trouble here, huh? Can I mention Pittsburgh too? Forget about that. Should we go on? Chicago, man. I know you. Best thing that comes out of Chicago is I-55. You get on and get out of there. Should I keep going? We won't have a congregation next week, huh? Let me tell you, it's life. It's eternal life. It's a different life. And if you want evidence... You have the external evidence. You know what the external evidence is? His baptism. He was proclaimed the Son of God, the baptism. You know, we have evidence. We have the cross. Look at the cross. That he got there for you, died for your sins. He never sinned. Yes. Somebody says, well, why did he get baptized? He never sinned. Why did he go to the cross? He never sinned. It was to identify with sinners for you and me. Amen. You want to know amazing testimony? The Spirit brings that alive. We opens our eyes. We could see because of him. You want to know another testimony? The moment that we accept it, it becomes internal. You're like, wow, I heard about it, but now I believe it. And I want to tell you the greatest witness we have is God himself. He said, this is the way to eternal life. There's only one way, and it's through my son. So what are we trusting in? What are we believing in? Let me tell you, when we stand before God, we can't say to him, I wish you would have given me more evidence. He's given us all the evidence we need. The question is, is what are you going to believe? For years, I believed in what my religion told me. And one day I had to make a decision to believe what Jesus told me in the Bible. Maybe that's you here today. Maybe for years your religion told you something else. But today's the day you want to put your faith in the Son of God. Maybe you've thought, oh, I have eternal life, but I'm just waiting for that after I die. No, you have it now. Enjoy it now. 
And death will never interrupt. Death is our foe, but death cannot stop eternal life. He who has the Son has the life, but he who does not have the Son does not have the life. Let's take a few moments as we have the kids come up. And let's prepare our hearts.